0: This sermon was preached by Pastor John Rasmussen at Holy Cross Lutheran Church. Once again, God's grace, mercy, and peace uh, be with each and every one of you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, Before we begin with our sermon, I just want to point out something I I missed in the announcements. Um, Did everybody get this sheet in your, your bulletin, little white sheet? Maybe you didn't know it was there until now, but now you know. Um, every week you'll be getting one of these sheets as an insert in your bulletin and what this is is uh, we call this a weekly discipleship sheet uh, but what it is is a way for you to interact with God's Word in preparation for each Sunday and so um, just like every Sunday we have a responsive psalm reading, a Old Testament reading, New Testament Gospel, um, these readings that you'll get each week will be for the following Sunday and so basically, we're inviting you to, to read God's Word in preparation for hearing God's Word preached and taught, uh, which will help you with your, your deeper understanding of it. Uh, on Friday, you'll see that we'll do a catechism question for each week. And then on Saturday, you'll see that we have the prayer, that uh, prayer that we pray uh, in our liturgy. So just a way for you to uh, take Sunday and expand it out into the week and be ready for um, the preaching. Well, today in our text, we're going to take a look at our gospel reading, Matthew chapter 10, verses 21 to 33. You're welcome to open up a Bible as we, as we dig into that text. <clears throat> now today, uh, I want to talk about the certainty that you and I have in Christ. And the way that that certainty that you and I have in Christ creates confidence in our hearts in the midst of a world that is full of fear and anger. Uh, To help us begin to explore that, I want to watch a video with you. This is a a video from years and years ago, kind of when YouTube first became popular and viral videos were sort of a thing. Uh, It's a cat video. Uh, It's about the cat Burger and Fries. Does anybody know Burger and Fries? Nobody knows Burger and Fries. Okay. Of like 2007 fame, um, I'll show you Burger and Fries. And and so here it is. We all like cat videos, right? I want everybody to meet Burger and Fries. So that's Burger and Fries. Um, so what do you think about Burger and Fries? Yeah. Uh, some of you might be thinking like, this confirms my suspicion. I've always believed that cats are evil. And, <laughs> and that maybe they should have named this cat something like, I don't know, maybe Beelzebub from our gospel reading, uh, you know, child of the devil. Um, but some of you, maybe those of you who love cats or maybe like to rescue animals, Uh, maybe you looked a little bit deeper, and you were maybe a little curious and compassionate. Maybe you asked yourself the question, what happened to burger and fries? Obviously, this cat didn't turn out this way overnight, right? Um, Likely, this cat went through some type of trauma, some type of uh, fear, right, that caused it to be pretty angry. And and I want to use that a video to help us kind of explore uh, the world that we're living in today, the, the society that we live in, which I would say is greatly motivated by fear. And I think that there is a connection between fear and anger. Now, not always. So, for example, we see Jesus angry as he enters the temple and sees people exchanging and buying and selling and really blocking the way. Uh, for people to come and pray in the temple. And so Jesus in John chapter 2 and elsewhere in the Gospels, he's angry and he actually flips tables and drives people out in his righteous anger. Now, first of all, only Jesus, I think, truly has righteous anger. Even our most righteous anger is tainted by sin to some degree. Um, And I think Jesus was angry not because of fear, but rather because something holy and sacred was being violated. And Jesus took issue with that. But I think that for us, human beings who are fallen, who are complicated creatures because of sin, um, our anger and our fear are often tied together. And so St. Yoda of Dagobah uh, once said, fear is the path to the dark side, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. And in the whole Star Wars movie series, you see that this plays out in the life of what eventually becomes Darth Vader. Uh, And I think that if you looked at the things that you're the most angry about, I bet you could locate fear underneath it, right? Right? So whether it be burger or fries, or it be the, the world that we live in, I think we can all just agree that we live in a world that is so often motivated by fear, motivated by anger, and sometimes that, that anger turns into outright hostility, right? As we look at images from our society, I think we can see this clearly. Uh, obviously, this woman's angry. I suppose there's probably fear underneath that anger. Fear that the world that I live in doesn't look the way that I want it to and that I'm not in control. And that fear turns into anger and even hostility to the point of buying a shirt and wearing it that says talking to you reminds me to clean my gun. Which by the way is not a quotation of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount to be clear, or we see just entire groups of people who are hostile, angry, fearful towards one another. We see this all the time in the news as as people clash, right, have radically different ideas of what the world should look like, of what human life is for, radically different ideas about how we should get there, what society should look like. and it causes people to be fearful, and that fear turns in anger, and it causes people to clash in outright hostility towards one another. I don't know if you can see the picture, but you have this young girl in the middle who's just putting her hands over her ears saying, just make it stop. And maybe you kind of feel like that as you're just crowded and, and pressed by the anger and the hostility and the fear that we see so often. Now, I want you to think back to last week a little bit. Last week, we talked about what is the purpose of the church. Do you remember? What is it? It's a word that starts with M. Mission. The purpose of the church is mission. And so last week, we saw the heart of Jesus for people, that he saw people harassed and helpless, kind of like burger and fries, kind of like these pictures we've seen, kind of like... Our whole society feels harassed and helpless, just driven and motivated by fear and anger and confusion. Jesus saw people harassed and helpless, and he did not reject them. He did not turn away from them. He did not despise them or judge them. But rather, what Jesus did is that his heart was full of compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd, they were like the sick without a physician. And so what Jesus does is he doesn't just preach and he doesn't just heal and he doesn't just cast out demons, but rather what Jesus does is he takes that compassion and he multiplies it as he sends out his disciples to the lost sheep of Israel. He says, I want you to take my compassion to people who are harassed and helpless and I want you to go and share with them the good news of the kingdom. What kind of a world does Jesus send his disciples into? It's kind of a burger and fries world, right? Some people will hear the gospel gladly and quickly, and they'll receive it. But Jesus in our text today is saying that many people will sort of approach the preaching of the gospel the way the burger and fries <coughs> approach, the veter- uh, approach the veterinarian coming to help and give assistance, right? Right? I don't want your help. I'm okay. I don't want what you have to give. Don't get near me. Right? We live in a world that is very much possessed by fight or flight, right? That is just reacting all the time to everything. This is the world that Jesus sent his disciples into then, 2,000 years ago, and this is the world that Jesus sends his church into now. And the question that I want to hold out to you today is this, as Jesus sends you and me into such a world, how will you and I respond to people who are driven by fear and anger? How will we respond? Well, how would you respond? What emotions do you think you would feel? When Jesus tells you these things, he tells you these things in the text. He says this, verse 14, because of me, people will reject your faith. What you hold the most sacred, they'll say is trash. Because of me, Jesus says in verse 16, that you are being sent as sheep among wolves. Jesus says in verses 17 through 18, because of me, people will arrest you and beat you. Anybody eager to sign up for that? Probably not. Verse 21, Jesus says, because of me, even your own family will hand you over to death, which Jesus will talk about more next week, that the gospel will will create divisions between the people we have the most uh, secure attachments to, our own families. Jesus says in verse 22, that because of me, all people will hate you. He says in verse 23 that because of me, you will be persecuted from town to town. Jesus says finally in verse 25 that because of me, people will speak evil of you, even calling you a disciple of the devil himself. And we know these things are true because the 2,000-year history of the church has been full of these things. In fact, these things happen today, in particular in countries where the gospel is not allowed to be preached freely. I don't know if you remember when uh, Pastor Khan from Pablo was here, talked about those who tortured for the gospel these day, in these days that we live in uh, because they confess Christ. And so Jesus says that as the church, as we have been called into mission, this is what might happen. So how are you going to respond to that? How do you respond? What emotions do you feel when you realize that this is the reality, I can think of all kinds of things that we might feel. Maybe we might feel doubt, confusion, maybe sadness, brokenheartedness, loneliness. But I think also that we might end up feeling something a little bit like fear and anger And so here's my concern is that as Jesus sends us, the church, into a world that is lost and that is dying and that so desperately needs the gospel but doesn't want the gospel, as Jesus sends us into a world of of people who are possessed, who are trapped, who are cornered by fear and anger... We are called to see this world through the eyes of Christ, which which means compassion for people who are harassed and helpless. But my concern is that sometimes the church might get just all tangled up into the same type of fear and anger that the world exhibits. That we might become like the world in mimicking fear, anger, and hostility. But notice that Jesus says nothing about this at all. You see, left to ourselves, church, without the gospel of Jesus Christ's steady and unbreakable love continually in our ears and in our heart, we will respond to any persecution, any hostility towards our faith with with either fight or flight. Fight meaning we want to get the gloves on and argue, point the finger, yell, or we're just going to run away and cower in fear. I want to give you an example of the way I think that this is at work in your life. And I bring this up because just like you might trust a physician to to diagnose a condition in your physical health, I hope that you trust me as a pastor to diagnose a spiritual illness that might be afflicting you. I think we get tangled up in fear and anger and hostility or in this fight or flight response to the world because uh, many of us are addicted, and I I mean literally addicted, to 24-hour cable news. It could be a newsletter that comes to your email inbox, it could be a social media site, it could be something that you watch, it's just always on. And here's what happens, is you're spending more time listening to the media and the news that you've chosen for yourself that maybe kind of echoes what you already believe, it doesn't challenge you on anything, it just continues to feed you what you already believe to be true, is you're addicted to this, you're spending more time listening to this than you are in the scriptures and in the word of God. And it's causing you to be fearful and anxious And angry. And sometimes we even get pleasure from seeing the worst of the other side, whatever the other side happens to be for you. Sometimes we take pleasure in the other side doing outrageous, depraved things because it shows us, it confirms to us in our minds that the other side is really as bad as we thought they were. And it makes us feel righteous. It makes us feel justified, not by grace through faith in Christ alone, but by something else And isn't it true that we might even be a little bit disappointed if the other side didn't act in that way because it just proves for us what we knew all along, that some people are enemies, some people are beyond grace, some people are beyond help. How does Jesus tell his church, how does Jesus instruct his church as he sends them into a fearful, angry, hostile world. Three times in the text, this is what Jesus says. He says three times, he says, do not fear. Say it with me three times. Do Do not fear. fear. Do Do not fear. Do not fear. (laughs) You're not hearing that when you watch the news, right? Do not fear. You're being given reason to be fearful. And angry but jesus says do not fear jesus doesn't hold back when he shows us the reality of how people might react to the gospel being proclaimed in the world but he doesn't dwell on that he says do not fear he knows that we're going to react with fear or anger and so he says do not fear and in saying this jesus is saying Everything that I am as Christ and everything that I do as your Savior creates in you confidence and certainty. You see, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have something the world doesn't have you have a promise from God. A promise that you were baptized into. A promise preached into your heart. A promise that you eat and you drink at this altar. It's been given to you. It's signed, sealed, delivered. It is yours. It is finished, Jesus said. And when he spoke those words, he gave to you a promise. The world doesn't have a promise from God. And so the world is left to the only tools it has at its disposal, which is anger and fear and confusion and hatred and hostility to try to get what it wants, but it's not sure it's going to get it because it doesn't have a promise from the living God. But you do. I want to look at three promises that Jesus says alongside the words do not fear. Promise number one, Jesus says, So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. And so Jesus says, Go ahead and preach it from the rooftops. Share out in the light what you heard in the dark. Now, what does Jesus mean here? What's the promise? The world wants to flee from the gospel. It says this in John chapter 3, that people loved wickedness. They loved evil more than, than righteousness. They love the darkness more than the light, and so they hide. In Romans chapter 1, it says that human beings try to suppress the truth about God. We try to push it down like a beach ball underwater, right? And so when the world is confronted by the gospel, it challenges everything that the world holds as... as valuable as worth celebrating and so the world will try to cover the gospel the world will try to hide the gospel in fact did not the world try to hide christ by putting him on a cross and putting him in a tomb it tried to cover smother christ but you can't do that to jesus right third day, he was raised from the dead, and God publicly vindicated him. Jesus broke through all of that hatred and hostility. He was no longer covered or hidden in the tomb, but he was raised from the dead, and he came with this message, not, you're going to get it. You guys put me to death. I'm coming for you. Revenge of Jesus. That's not how the movie played out. No, it was, what did Jesus say to his disciples? Peace be with you don't be afraid. Peace be with you. Everything's different now. And so the promise here for you is that while the world might look at your faith and try to bury it or cover it or, or push it down and hide it, there is going to be a day, the day when Christ returns to judge the living and the dead, when he will not only publicly vindicate Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but he will publicly vindicate you. And you will be shown to be in the right publicly. See, Judgment Day is public. There will be a public pointing the finger at you and saying, this is my son, this is my daughter, persecuted by the world, but right, In Philippians 2, Paul says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is that public judgment day where everybody will be made to care, even if they didn't in this life. Right? And those who were told that they were foolish because they confessed Jesus as Lord will be declared to be wise publicly so don't fear keep calm and carry on right with christ don't fear the second promise that jesus gives that alleviates our fears is matthew 10 28 jesus says do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul you think back maybe to our psalm right that what can man do to me the Lord is my help. What can people do to me? What can flesh do to me? That ultimately God is in control. And, and the worst thing the world could ever do to you is kill your body. but they can't snatch away your soul. And God has the power in the resurrection to unite body and soul back together in the resurrection. And so uh, the world can take your body, but they can't take your soul. And even God in the resurrection gives you your body back as at the resurrection, body and soul are brought back together again. This is what caused Christians to go to the lions, caused them to go to their death, is because they knew that God would raise them from the dead. Same thing is true for you. Do not fear Because the worst thing that could ever happen to you has already happened. You've died with Christ in your baptism. And the best thing that could ever happen to you has already been given to you. You've been raised with Christ to new life. When he died, you died. When he was raised, you were raised, right? So do not fear. Do not fear, because even if the worst were to happen to you, even if your life were to be taken away from you, it says in Romans chapter 8 that nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, right? It says in John chapter 10 that nothing can snatch you away from the hands, those nail-scarred hands of your good shepherd. Nothing. Not even death can snatch you away from Jesus. So do not be afraid. The third promise is this. Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Sparrows were like a cheap meal for poor people in the first century uh, ancient Near Eastern world. They were like Palestinian chicken nuggets. They were just these little snacks and they you buy two of them for a penny you know and they're not very valuable the point here is that somewhere a thousand miles from here a sparrow is falling to the ground and nobody sees it but God sees it and it matters to him the point is that some of you when you woke up this morning a hair fell from your head you didn't even know it you'll vacuum it up later but you didn't even know it, but God had that hair numbered. And if God takes that type of care to see the things that we don't see, to care about the things that we don't even notice, how much more will he take care of you no matter what happens in this life? If he numbers hairs and he sees sparrows that fall to the ground that are worth you know, two for a penny, how much more are you worth? How much are you worth? Didn't God show you how much you're worth? For God so loved the world, he so loved you, that he gave his only son. That's what you're worth, friends. So be at peace. Don't fear. Uh, In our church body, we use the Luther Small Catechism. Uh, For those of you who are new to the Lutheran Church, that's uh, basically a a, a question book. It's uh, questions and answers Uh, about the Ten Commandments, the Creed, the Lord's Prayer, baptism, etc. And as we teach the catechism, we ask a question, and then you, the catechized, give back an answer. And it's basically a way of teaching the the structure of the Christian faith from the scriptures. Um, I'm going to quote a catechism. It's not Luther's small catechism. It's another catechism that came out of the Reformation. Um, It's called the Heidelberg Catechism, and while I don't use the Heidelberg Catechism, of course, to teach you the faith, um, I've always loved question number one uh, from the Heidelberg Catechism, it's, it's so rich with assurance. Uh, question number one is, what is your only comfort in life and death? Now how would the world answer this question? My one comfort in life and death is my bank account, my retirement, my reputation, my relationships. My uh, ability to play golf, right? Um, my one hope in life and death is that the person I want to be elected to president is president. The, 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 the one hope in life and death that I have is that, um, is that the world works out the way I want it to be. That's the way the world answers that question. But how does the Christian answer that question? What is your only comfort, your unbreakable comfort in life and in death? Let's just speak these words. Well, you can't see them very well. Um, I'll speak it. You can join in if you want. The answer is this, that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and dead death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. That's the comfort of the gospel. It's basically just saying that not a hair will fall from your head. God's got you. But Christ has you in his grip. And so you don't have to be afraid because he is your one comfort in life and in death. It's a comfort the world doesn't have. So, friends, to summarize, to to wrap this up, the point is this. If the world does its worst to you, if it rejects you, if it taunts you, if it shames you, if it excludes you, if it ignores you, if it even imprisons or kills you, you are still baptized, and you're still beloved, and you're still Christ's, and you still have a promise. And this promise creates certainty, and it creates confidence, rather than the desire to get your gloves on and fight or run away in fear. And so in summary, friends, the world, the world we live in does not need your fear, and it does not need your anger. It has plenty of that on its own. What the world needs is Christ, and Christ is in you. Amen.